Ion 2020, episode 200. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's going on, y'all? It's Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020 source of the news and related events that are going on in the 2020 election, making sure that you are up to speed and up to date on the facts and the figures of the 2020 election process. I try to cover the news of the Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party, third parties, independents, whatever. I just make sure that you can come here and listen and know what's going on with the news of the day and the uh, the candidates and their policies and so forth. That's what I've been doing for 200 shows now. Can you believe that? I can hardly even believe that. I don't think I've ever stuck to anything for uh, 200 days like that, 200 different episodes. I I know I've tried doing blogging before, and I've tried doing other things as well just to put my thoughts down on paper, and I've just never been able to commit to doing it every single day. Just because, I don't know, it's just tough to figure out the time and the place to do that, especially when you got two kids, a wife, you know, a full-time job, the whole nine yards, but I've just made it a commitment to do this, and uh, that's what I'm going to continue to do. Um, on 200, and I've made it a commitment today that I'm going to go ahead and shoot for another another 100 for you, so we'll get up to 300. And it seems like, what has it been, about 11 mo- or 10 months since I started this show, right? So in about, uh, that's about, I guess, 100 shows every five months or so. So uh, you got me at least in through until about March or April of next year and then you know what then i'll just be like hey man i got six months left i might as well just go ahead and continue to do this show then as well i haven't really decided if i'm gonna uh what i'm gonna do beyond the 2020 election i haven't really figured that part out yet i just know that uh seems like i have a pretty good listener base right now and that's nice to know uh maybe i'll move on to some other more exciting type topics than just some election like covering the news and stuff but i haven't really figured that out yet um you guys know this about me if you listen to the show long enough i really don't enjoy politics i don't enjoy listening to you know fox news msnbc the cnn i don't enjoy reading the newspapers or anything like that uh, about what's really going on with politics in general i do enjoy for some reason i don't know what it is i enjoy political season and i enjoy when there's a presidential debate or presidential run going on just because there's all kinds of craziness that happens within within those election campaigns like everyone's just fighting back and forth everyone's lying through their teeth everyone's trying to one-up each other um donald trump gets in there and starts you know naming everybody a specific character and it's just to me that's fun to watch in some way but then again, I have to take a break from it every once in a while as well. So, like on the weekends and stuff, I try to kind of distance myself from watching the news and knowing what's going on in the politics. But uh, once 2020, like once November 2020 happens, I might do a few shows beyond that. But then I'll probably take a break for a while just to try to figure out what on earth I'm going to do in the podcasting world from there. 
haven't really decided. I have never done an interview yet. I've never done an interview yet. I've never done an interview on this show, and I haven't done interviews elsewhere on other shows. <clears throat> Although I've had several invites to do interviews so far, I just haven't been able to commit the time to doing it because I am just very, very busy in my life, it seems like, lately. But um, maybe I'll start doing interviews. Maybe I'll start going on interviews. I'm not sure. Haven't really figured out that yet. A lot of people, like, I remember... I think it was Mark Clare, one of those from the Lions of Liberty, on his 200th episode. I think he had, like, Ron Paul on his show. But he's an interview show. That was a pretty big deal to get to 200 episodes. It still is. I mean, for any podcast, it's a big deal to get 200 episodes, right? So everyone's trying to do special things and all that. You know what? You know what? I have special for you guys today. More news and related events of the 2020 elections so i appreciate you sticking with me uh go ahead if it's your first time listening though subscribe to the show i won't ask you now just after the show is over with right and you're sitting there like man that was a really good show go ahead and subscribe to it and then when you when you have been listening for a while and you're thinking to yourself man i really want to help this show out because you know, I want to make sure that more people see the show. I want to make sure more people can hear the show. Then you can share it with your friends. You can also give a five-star rating in review. Five-star ratings definitely help out the show. I have about 17 uh, reviews right now on Apple, and I've seen other reviews on other sites as well. Uh, not reviews, but um, ratings. And then if you you know want to give a review, if you just want to write a little bit about the show, like, hey, man, that guy Ray sure does put together an intriguing podcast then you could do that as well, and I appreciate it. If you give me a good review, I will read it on the show. If you give me a bad review, I think I've read one of those on the shows as well. Um, but hey, I'll take the good and the bad, because I just want to make sure that um, if all you're doing is blowing sunshine up my butt, then I'm not going to try to make the show better, right? Uh, but then again, if you really want to help out the show, five-star ratings are always helpful. So uh, go ahead and do that, and then give me a bad review, maybe. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Uh, it's up to you. So today... Let's go through the debate. So, the next debate is going to be on October 15th. That's going to be the Democratic debate, right? It's going to be in Ohio, in Westerville, Ohio. It's going to be hosted by CNN and the New York Times. So, you know you're going to get a nice unbiased um, opinion from those guys, as well as you're going to get lots of um, agreement on stage between the people that are up there and the people that are uh, moderating, right? So... What you're going to end up having, though, is different people on stage. You're going to have the 12 people that are running on stage. 12 of them, um, it's actually going to be the first time 12 people are on stage ever in a debate. In one of these debates, I guess, is what they're saying, right? And um, I think it's even Republicans. There's never been 12 people on stage. So that's going to be a little bit crowded. It's going to be where... Only the people in the center really do most of the talking. The people on the very outside are not going to get a lot of time. They're going to have to kind of force their way into it. Maybe they're going to have to take a couple of low blows. Maybe they're going to have to fight it out. I know Tulsi Gabbard was, they're all saying that she will be a nice new voice on that stage and she'll, she might take it to these people as well. Who knows? But here's the people that are going to be on that stage, okay? Obviously, number one and number two, Joe Biden... And, um, Joe Biden and, oh, sorry, I just, I'm trying to read right now the different people that are going to be on the stage, and I just kind of lost my train of thought. I apologize. 
But um, because I have an article in front of me right now that just kind of shows who those people are. So obviously you're going to have Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. They're going to be center stage. You know that. And then obviously the next person, the people that you'll have is Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, um, and so forth, right? So those are the people that are going to be like the main headliners on that stage. But here's the people that are actually going to be on the stage. you got Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang has been climbing in the polls, but those are the people that are going to be on that stage. So it'll be, it'll be crowded. It'll be interesting to watch. Maybe I don't know. I mean, if it's anything like the last debates were, it was kind of like a snooze fest in some ways. It's a bunch of people just uh, kind of like agreeing with each other. There's a, there's very minor disagreements on very specific topics. Like they're obviously going to talk about Medicare for all. They're always going to talk about healthcare. They're obviously going to talk about very, you know, the border control. They're going to talk probably a lot about Donald Trump and this whole impeachment hearing and stuff. I'm sure every one of them on that stage are in agreement that he should be impeached and that he broke the law and this and that. So we'll see. I mean, that's probably going to be the major topics of the day. Tulsi Gabbard actually said something that was interesting that she thinks that the entire format is boring and that they should do one specific debate on one topic, which is foreign policy. That would be really interesting to see. That would force all these people to come out of their shells and only talk foreign policy. And that actually could be a good thing. It would be interesting to see maybe more debates on specific topics, right? So, hey, we're going to get together on Tuesday night and we're only going to talk foreign policy. Then next month, we're only going to talk, um, like, Medicare for all, or we're only going to talk Medicare reform or whatever, you know, like, specific topics, and then see where all these people stand. Being a libertarian, though, I mean, that stuff drives me crazy when they're all sitting there promising anyway. That's why it's hard to watch. That's why I have a really hard time watching these debates, because coming from a libertarian perspective, like, everything they say is just more government. What should we do? Pass a law. What should we do? Make a make a new bureaucracy based upon you know helping people with this, helping people with that. We need to help this person, that person, another person. We need to help this group and that group, and then we need to divide this group from this group, so that they'll be fighting against each other and all. I mean, it's just like more division, more promises, more money being spent. Nobody talking about where it's going to be paid for, how it's going to be paid for, uh, where they're going to raise the money for it. It's just absolutely tedious to watch. But I'll do it. I'll do it for you guys. I will. I will do it for you guys because this is I on 2020 and that's what I do. I cannot wait right now. So we're on episode 200. And I cannot wait to get to the point where you start having libertarians debating on a debate stage. I cannot wait till you start having libertarians fighting for, you know, their nomination. I can't wait to be saying... Yeah, who's the most libertarian? Who's the best libertarian? And I will probably keep my opinions, specific opinions to myself at that point. I don't know if I'm going to back someone specifically on this show, just because I don't think that, you know, it's it's you make up your own mind in some way. But I will give you guys my point of view on each of these people as well. And I'm also pretty realistic when I look at the person that's the most 
I guess the most electable, even though not, it's going to be hard for a libertarian specifically to get elected, but you guys know what I mean. The most electable, the person that's going to be able to make the most positive impact out there. Get the most news time. Put the libertarian message front and center somehow. You're not going to see a libertarian on stage with a Democrat and Republican anytime soon, though. They will do everything they can to push us out, push libertarians out. But that's what I cannot wait for, guys. We're on episode 200. It is October right now. And uh, I think it's probably around like April or May or so is when you're going to start seeing really more movement within the third parties. You're going to start seeing more movement within the Green Party and so forth. They're also going to start nominating their candidates as well. And then about midsummer, so you might actually see debates that are going on among third party candidates. Because I remember last time, there was a couple debates that were sponsored by, like, Fox News and CNN that were just covering third-party candidates. There was a little bit of news coverage on these people. They were giving them token time on their channels, which is good. I think it allows other people to see that there is more than just Republicans and Democrats. I mean, what are we looking at right now? We're looking at Donald Trump, who is clearly going to be embattled in this um, whole impeachment process. It's going to be embattled, you know, with his defenders defending him and then the Democrats trying to, you know, push for impeachment. Like, that's what you're going to have. I was actually listening to a, one of those uh, political talk radio shows this morning. I don't know what it was. It was I'm, I'm up in Charlotte working, and I was just listening to one of the, I guess it might have been the local, whoever the local person is that has the radio personality, because it definitely was not a national person, because you know all their names, you know, like the morning person is uh, always like Glenn Beck, Herman Kane, I think does one, and then obviously in the afternoon, you have Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, those guys, well, this was a voice that I never heard before, so either one of those guys was on vacation, or it was a local guy, and he was just... He says, they were talking about obstruction of justice, and they were talking about how with the, uh, I guess Donald Trump had ordered the, whoever represents the United States in the Ukraine, I guess, or maybe the EU ambassador, I think it was, they ordered him not to go testify in front of Congress in a closed door hearing. And... The, the Democrats came out and said, oh, that's obstruction of justice. That's obstruction of justice. And this radio personality was sitting there, like, totally defending Donald Trump on this thing. You have to have a crime to make it obstruction of justice. And there was no crime. Like, they're completely defending Donald Trump on this, saying that there's no crime and everything. And I don't know. I mean, I, I've looked into this enough to realize that there's definitely some stuff that's going on that was outside of what a president should be doing. Is it something that is impeachable? That is for Congress to decide in the first place, right? Obviously, it's going to be completely partisan. And the thing is, is there is an investigation going on in some way. So technically, it is obstruction. I don't know if it's obstruction of justice because it's not like Congress is not like a police force by any means. But he is telling somebody not to go testify and giving him an order not to go testify. So... In that sense, it could be it could be interpreted, and I looked up the definition of obstruction of justice, and it's just 
It's, it's a very lax term that can be used in a lot of different situations. Like paying somebody not to t- testify, forcing somebody not to testify, threatening somebody not to testify, things like that. So if you f- tell your person not to testify, then obviously there's a threat of being fired or let, up, let go if you do testify. Or you're just telling them not to testify in the first place. And you are an authority, so possibly there is obstruction of justice there, but the person on the radio show is definitely just defending Donald Trump to the nth degree, and they're going to, because that is the fact that it's a partisan thing right now. There's no bipartisanship in this at all. It's just Washington has completely chosen their sides. Democrats, it's been like this for years, though. Democrats have chosen their side. Republicans are going to chosen their sides. Nobody cares about the Constitution. Nobody cares about the country as a whole. It's just two tribes battling it out. There are huge tribes that everyone else has to watch and say, you know what? I'm not really Republican, but I'm going to vote for the Republican because I don't want the Democrat and vice versa. So you have two crappy tribes that are forcing everyone else to have to go along with them as well. And that sucks. That absolutely sucks. I did a show on this a long time ago where I actually showed the numbers on it, right? And the numbers are this. In a primary, in a Democratic primary, or in a Republican primary, you're going to have about 10% of the population of those states that will actually go out and vote in primaries. Maybe 15% of it's a really popular candidate, right? So you're going to have about... So for the Democrat... Let's say 10%, 10 to 15% of the people that are in that, in that state are called Democrats. It's usually a little bit more than that, but I, I can't ex- remember the exact numbers. But what it really came down to is that Republicans, you're going to have about 15% of people that are going to come out and vote in those primaries. And then, uh, then they're the ones that choose over time who's going to be the nominee for president. So of, of all the states... If 15% of the people came out and voted in those states for Donald Trump, then you have 15% of Americans, I think it's less than, I think it was like 10% of Americans actually voted for Donald Trump in the sense of making him the nominee. Same thing with Democrats. You're going to have a specific amount, they're going to get out there. 10% of the population of the states are going to end up voting for Hillary Clinton or whoever the Democratic nominee is in 2020. And that 10% of people are going to get to choose who the nominee is. And of those 10%, like, most of those aren't going to vote for Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or whoever. It's going to be a small fraction of people, right? And then, but that's that 10% of Americans that are Democrats or Republicans, so that's 20% of the people get to choose for the other 80% who's going to be the horse that you have to bet on in that sense, right? And that's just a crappy way to do things, man. You really have, the Republicans and the Democrats really have a stranglehold on our elections, on our political system. And it's absolutely terrible. And then the rest, 80% of the rest of us have to go out and choose between one crap and the other crap, right? And that's it. That's the two choices that you have that were chosen by about 10 or 12% of the population and uh, and that's it. That's why you have people... That's why you have 40% of the people that don't vote. 
more people don't vote than voted for Donald Trump. More people abstain from voting than voted for Hillary Clinton in America. Crazy, right? But it's just the way that things are. It's just the way that the system is. That we have the two-party system. And I talked about this the other day on the show. The two-party system is a problem. We need a third option. We need, we need fourth options and fifth options. But the way that the Democrats and Republicans have made it, they've manipulated the system in order to make it so that they are the only choice out there for you and I on voting days. They've made it impossible for you to get on the ballot if you're not one of the main two parties. And now the libertarians have really gotten together and they've really made it so that all 50 states, that they'll have ballot access on all 50 states. It's crazy, right? But it's been a very hard road to make that happen. But since since we do have ballot access, now you have people that are not really libertarians that jump on board trying to get in there because they are well, the libertarians are a road to ballot access at this point. Is that a good thing? I would hope that we're going to attract strong libertarians and message to it. But if you look to the 2012 or 2016 election, you really are looking at Gary Johnson and uh, you know Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. They were not exactly the strongest libertarians in. You know, in, in their views, Gary Johnson, yeah, libertarian-leaning presidential candidate, very libertarian when he was, you know, he was very fiscally conservative and socially liberal and all that stuff, right? But that's not really what libertarianism is, but that's what he was selling it as. And he more or less didn't run as a libertarian candidate. He just had the L next to his name for convenience sake, and I think that they did that on purpose. They weren't out there trying to attract libertarians to the libertarian movement. It didn't seem like to me. But they did get a lot of people to vote for that L. And that's 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 my dilemma when I think about this, right? We have this road to 50-state ballot access. So the more we can get to the point where more people are willing to put that little check mark by the guy with the L next to his name rather than the R and the D, that's a good thing. Hopefully, we can get somebody that has libertarian philosophy down pat and we can start moving towards you know more libertarian candidates and that's going to be on you and I to get out there and, and make that happen right but yeah I think that um there's a problem in Washington DC and it needs to be fixed and it's very hard to fix something like that I mean I don't know that it'll ever be fixed to be honest with you but that's what I that's why I do this show that's why you guys are out there talking to your friends about liberty because we're starting a movement that's going to make people start to realize that Washington is broken, that the two-party system is broken, and that we need to start moving towards a country that is not dependent upon the federal government, a country that is looking for limited government, where people demand limited government. When politicians get up there and promise all the stuff that these Democrats are going to do next week on stage... They laugh at them and they say, we don't want that from you. We don't want that from you. Because if the federal government does it, then we're dependent upon them. And we don't want that. We want independence. Independence. This is Independence Day in that sense, you know? So, hey guys, I appreciate you listening to me. 
200 episodes, you had to be forced to listen to my voice. And uh, I appreciate it. I do. Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you like what you hear. And then come on back tomorrow and you will have clear vision for 2020. Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year. But even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First year in sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.